We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsay Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm good. I'm going to start saying something different because maybe that will change what's going on in Cincinnati. Maybe they'll start getting wins. I don't know. I'll start the show differently next time, I promise, if this doesn't work out for them on Sunday. But uh, there's plenty to talk about because we are recording this on a Wednesday. This is your Thursday, Friday preview to get you ready for game day. And we heard from quarterback Joe Burrow. He talks on Wednesdays. And I don't know about you. I watched some of the clips, tried to listen in live. And he seemed really calm, cool, collective. His biggest message to the fans is, hey, relax. You know, we had some of these issues last year. And look where that turned out for us. Or look how that turned out for, for this squad. You you make a run to the Super Bowl. When you, you know, recap some of that press conference, some of the things Joe said, what really stood out for you? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of the same things you're saying here with just he seems – Calm, cool. This isn't bothering him. None of, I don't know. It seems like they're not panicked. Uh, really what stands out to me is just, you know, Joe Burrow in his effect on the team in the locker room and off of the field. I don't know. Ever since he got to Cincinnati, it feels like those guys would uh, run headfirst through a brick wall for the guy. I mean, when he got here, I mean, it was the COVID year. And then he's able to win over the locker room. And then also, it was also during racial injustice. He unites the team with that. Just it feels like he's a, just a natural leader, and I guess that's the same thing that we hear about him at LSU and everywhere else. But that's what stands out is just. I think it was more T. Higgins said something like, "Burrow's not panicking, so we're not panicking." And I was like, "Yeah, that, that makes sense." Yeah, I, I'm guilty of kind of comparing their start a little bit to last year. Yeah, it's different because Joe hasn't looked like Joe, but. I think some of the comments that he made are some of the things that, you know, when you watch Joe Burrow's tape in this offensive line, when he was asked about his offensive line, here's the thing about Joe Burrow. You can ask him about his offensive line all day for two and a half years. He's never going to throw them under the bus or say they're playing bad. That's never, ever going to happen from Joe Burrow. He'll criticize himself. He'll talk about something else in the game. He will never, never throw his O-line under the bus. And one of the things he said was some of the things he could work on is getting rid of the ball sooner. And I think when you watch the tape from this past Sunday, that's something that's missing in his game. If he does get the ball out sooner, maybe that changes some of his clean pockets. Maybe he's not getting sacked or hit again. Um, you know, do you think that's going to make a world of difference what we see on Sunday with him? I think it's weird because I do think he's got a little bit sped up and he's trying to scramble quicker. But I also do think like, well, yeah, I guess if he's on time, what I think is that if the offense can get to more quick game concepts where he's taking quick three steps and it's coming open, that's really what will help the offensive line. Uh, getting the ball out quicker, that's dependent on the wide receivers. And to me, the wide receivers weren't open and he was missing them. It was that he wasn't waiting for them to come open. So I think he's just kind of giving a little bit of a response that's just like, that's on me. It's not on them. It's me. And even though I think we know it's at least a little bit on them, it is a little bit on him, but it's a little bit on them. And he's never going to throw those guys under the bus. I mean, he's taken a beating two straight years. He's taken a beating through two games. 
And no matter what, he just always ends it with basically it's on me. We'll get better as a team, everything like that. So I appreciate the response because there are guys that probably would say like, you know, <laughs> need to get a little bit better protection up front, not single anybody out, but you know, just as a unit or something like that. But he just blames himself and tries to uh, shift the focus away from the offensive line. Yeah, that's one of the things, you know, what he said in his press conference when he said he got rid of his Instagram and Twitter. I highly recommend if you're an NFL athlete to stay off social media. I would delete every app. There's no way in the entire, I don't care if we were on our highest of highs. I wouldn't want anything to do with social media. I know some people like to interact with it. It, it is fun to have athletes on there for fans and, and things like that. But man, I don't blame him one bit. I'd be deleting that the moment you probably lost your opener. Uh, so we'll see if Joe gets his Instagram back, if they happen to pull out a win on Sunday, but I kind of want to steer over to lose comments because one of the topics of conversation, you know, on social media, when it comes to players getting reps and what we're seeing, we talked about it on the last podcast with Jesse Bates and the criticism he's getting for some of his play, which is a little wild to me, uh, rookie Dax Hill. And one of the things that's different about, Zach Taylor, I feel like since he's been here and yeah, when you pick in the top five and the first pick in the draft too, you're going to play your rookies. Um, but we see more of the rookies getting reps early with Zach Taylor was that with uh, Marvin Lewis. I always felt like it was like one, maybe two years later, they're finally on the field. They're not on special teams and they're making a big impact. But we saw that with them. When you pick late in the first round, almost the second round, you get Dax Hill, who's more than likely going to be Jesse Bates replacement. We've talked about that before. Jesse Bates is more... He's not coming back. I'll just say that right now. Jesse Bates is not coming back to Cincinnati. So hopefully he makes the best out of this year. But Lou was asked just about that, maybe giving Jesse Bates a break, rotating Dax Hill. And he said, no, he he doesn't need that all at all, referring to Jesse Bates. And he made a comment that, you know, the guys, the best guys are out there right now. And being around Xavier Howard when he was a rookie and that was not so good, getting those early reps, you could really use your confidence. He doesn't want to mess up the chemistry that the cornerback secondary room is currently feeling with the safety group, the corners, the DBs, all of them. He just wants it to be that tight knit group. And he doesn't really kind of feel that Dax Hill even made the reference to Cam Taylor Britt. He's coming off injury. And when he finally returns to the group, that it's going to be what we see right now. Do you think that's coach speak or do we still feel like Dax will get the reps when you see a different kind of quarterback? I still think when you see a different type of quarterback, you'll probably get some more Dax reps. How many? I don't know. Lou does have a point and it's kind of what everybody's been saying since the draft is that this isn't going to be a year where Dax is going to start. So I'm not sure what people are expecting snap wise. I think you expect more than eight through two weeks. But again, like we've talked about, they didn't need them. Uh, it's not an offense that they need to get into any real dime looks. And when they have gotten in dime looks, they are looking more towards Trey Flowers than him. I will say that. And that is something that I kind of expected Dax to take that role. But Trey is good at it. So I, I also can see why he's doing that. I also agree with him a few things. I like what he says about not rotating his uh, defensive backs, really your corners and safeties. They're kind of the offensive line of the defense. You don't notice them unless they're doing something bad. Uh, I guess they can get interceptions too. But, <laughs> you know, when you notice them, it's usually not a good thing. And then to go with that, um, a lot of the techniques, that they're moving backwards. They're the only other position really that moves backwards for the most part, just like offensive linemen do in pass protection. So there's, a, there's quite a few similarities. And the rotation is another one because just like the offensive line has to pass off all these games and stunts, these corners – 
even in some man, they're called man match coverages. Uh, you'll have to pass off your receiver to the guy next to you and have communication to know you're yelling under because the guy's going to inside underneath five yards, you know, under, under to your teammate. They're going to yell something back to you to take the corner. You know, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of chemistry in the defensive back room. And I feel like that goes underappreciated. We talk a lot about how offensive line continuity, but I think the defensive backs having all this continuity, especially like Bates and Bell is something that we don't really talk about that much. And that's probably another reason besides the confidence. I think that's the other main thing I want to think about is just, he is right about the confidence and you, when you start giving up receptions like that, you lose some confidence, best thing that any player can have, but especially these corners are going against (laughs) all those wide receivers is confidence. I can, I can shut that guy down, you know, put me in man against that guy. No fear. You think about what Jeff Okuda maybe went through his first uh, year besides the injuries is just, he went against like Devonte Adams the first week of the season. So I agree with a lot of what he's saying. I, I think I want more Dak snaps still. I think they may come when you face bigger, more deadly passing offenses and maybe a fast quarterback in Lamar. But yeah, I, I do think uh, he's right with a lot of what he's saying. We'll move on to the offensive line. I thought we really talked a lot about the offensive line when we dedicated a whole segment to it earlier in the week, but when your right tackle's not at practice uh, and he's one of your poor performing offensive linemen, it's worth bringing up. Lyle Collins wasn't at practice today, at least for the media portion. I think the bigger deal is what Thursday and even the Friday walkthrough looks like for this team in the offensive line. But what did you make of that? And if he, if it may be more than, you know, if, if it's mental, if it's physical, what it, what it could possibly be, but what would you make of, who, who's replacing him if he can't go on Sunday? This is concerning for me because I think I brought it up on the last episode where I think there might have been a lingering issue injury-wise because of, you know, he's losing in an orthodox way. He's spinning around. He's falling down all the time. It's not the law of Collins that we've seen. And even if he's rusty, it to me was looking less like rust in week two than it was in week one. Week one, I, maybe I was just kind of thinking like going into the game thinking he was going to be rusty. So I expect it week two when I expect rust, I expect bad hand placement and maybe like he's real slow out of a stance and he has been slow out of his stance. Like there is some rust there to that type of stuff, but there's also the balance and all these other issues going on right now. So it's concerning that the back injury popped up on the injury report. And not only that, but he didn't even practice at all. Not even a limited participant. He could miss this game, realistically, whenever you get downgraded to out this early. And a Friday walkthrough is going to be more important for whether or not he plays. But he's clearly playing injured. And I think that's something we have to deal with. Who his replacement is? If you asked me before the season, I would have said Hakeem Adeniji. But Deontay Smith was the active extra offensive tackle last week, and he played. So is it Smith? Is it Adenogy? I don't know. Like if I had to pick one, I think I'd go with Adenogy just because in preseason he looked better. But I don't know. I I think they could go Smith. I think they could go Smith because I still feel like Smith is part of the future with this offensive line room and how they want to develop it with Frank Pollock. Uh, We saw, I mean, a difference, I feel like, from Cordell Volson, which we talked about on the last podcast, from week one to two and the things that he's learning from Frank Pollock in the offensive line room. So I think... I mean, it's you're you're 0-2 on the season, so you're trying not to risk too much. This can't and Joe's been hit already too many times. You you don't want to make the wrong decision. 
But I also wouldn't be surprised if it is Hakeem and they switch to Smith in the game because you can't have something out there that's not working in the first half. Joe already talked about it. Those slow starts are killing those guys. You know, week one and week two, got to go out and get it done fast and and protect him. So I think it's going to be one guy, and if he's not performing at the first half, they'll take him out and replace him with with what they do have. But offensive line depth is always going to be a question mark because we saw what Joe had to deal with in the Super Bowl, which is still insane. That guy was being protected by those that offensive line. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's not great, and maybe that's the biggest reason why Collins has struggled the way he has, and he wasn't healthy during training camp. He got little reps because of that coming off the injury. So it's definitely concerning. I think tomorrow is going to be kind of more an ideal scenario of what we're going to see and who's getting most of the reps, what's that's going to look like, because Friday is just your walkthrough. Um, you know, obviously, Lyle can he, – he's a vet. He can – if he's good to go on Friday, they're going to say you're good to go. You've already been through weeks of prep and you're still working in, in the rooms with the guys in the offensive line room. Um, you don't need those reps in practice. You'll be fine for the game. But if it's something that could linger, there's no way they're going to put him in that position to just see what he can do. Yeah, I, it is possible. He's trying to push through the injury and play just because, you know, that's all these football players are tough. They all want to get out there and be on the field for every snap. Maybe he's not ready to go yet, and he didn't want to disappoint everybody, and he passed the, the physical, I assume. So I don't know if it's a very long-term thing, but maybe it is. Who knows? Uh, things slip through the cracks sometimes. You're hoping it's just uh, really the best outcome is what I haven't really brought up is just like, yeah, he just needed a rest day for his back, and, you know, he's fine. And then he's it was just rust in week two. I'm overthinking this. But I do think there's a strong possibility injury has caused some of the issues that we've seen because these are the it's the worst two game stretch of Lyle Collins' career, um, and honestly, it's the worst two games I've ever seen him play. I went back and watched almost every game from last year, so I don't know. I hope he gets better because I think you can beat the Jets. Even I would say, are you sure? Be careful. <laughs> I still think they should beat the Jets and could beat the Jets even without Collins there with either Adenji or Smith, you're going to give them a lot of help. You're going to protect that side more than the left side. You need Jonah more to step up because he's not going to be getting the chips all the time against our old friend, Carl Lawson, who I think still almost exclusively rushes from that side. So I, I think Jonah has to step up more than Smith or Adenji will. They will, but they'll in pass protection, at least they'll be getting a lot of help, I think. So can they win? Yeah, I think they should still win even without Collins, but it is a concern. The one thing I'll say is that at least you're not losing prime Collins down to whatever this is going to be if they if he does have to sit out. You are kind of dropping from Collins, who's playing pretty poorly, into a, one of these two unknowns. So the drop-off can't be too drastic. It could be, it could be worse. Let's not say that Collins has been abysmal. He's been bad, but not abysmal. It could be worse, but... Uh, it shouldn't be a drop from, oh, man, our great right tackle is out, and now we have a complete unknown in there. It's it's right now it's our injured, rusty right tackle is out, and we're probably going to get maybe slightly worse production. I always say that they were a Riley Reef away from winning the Super Bowl, if you think about that, and Joe having time. I just – that right tackle position uh it's just it's been hurting him for a little while so you know hopefully everything is okay with collins and we get a better update as the week goes on they get ready for the jets we'll have predictions later on the show but next we're going to get to your question in the mailbag for it's always game day in cincinnati